Good morning, Lakes Free. Welcome to church this morning. I wanted to say hi to those here in the, in the sanctuary with us. Also welcome to those downstairs in the fellowship hall and to those watching online. It's good to have you worshiping here with us. I'm Jay Korn. I'm one of the elders here at Lakes Free. I am uh, stepping in on the intro for Pastor Jason, who, as you guys may recall, is out with COVID this week. He is uh, doing well. He appreciates all of your guys' prayers and thoughts, and he is looking forward to rejoining us next week here in person. Um, I want to direct your attention to the bulletin. Uh, you can find the bulletin either here in the worship center or online at any time during the week. All sorts of good stuff going on, uh, not the least of which is VBS and, and just all the other great stuff going on in the church. If you're new here or you're just looking for another uh, good way to get plugged in, I do want to remind you that there's a next steps area just outside of the sanctuary. We'd, uh, we'd love for you to stop by and say hi, uh, get to know us a little bit better, and um, see how you can get plugged in. So, um, with that, I think I'll hand it over to Samantha, and uh, let's go ahead into worship. Would you please stand with us this morning as we worship?
may be seated. When I look back through history and consider all the sacrifices in every war, and I try to grasp it all, come to grips with it, stand in reverence of all those willing to give their lives for something bigger than themselves, I am stunned by the sheer numbers. All those lives, all those families serving their country, I can't always comprehend it. My heart is not big enough to take it all in. That each one didn't come home. What they lost for their service. What we gained for their courage. Today, I stop to remember. Every single number is one soldier. One sailor who got up in the morning and put on a uniform. One Marine who answered the call to fight for freedom one airman who knew the cost and went anyway, one man or woman who paid the ultimate price for many, and the freedom I live in now. Today, I remember. sobering reminder of what uh, people have done for us, for each one of us, that I can even stand on this stage and worship God with you this morning. We have so much to be thankful for. Um, thank you for showing that video. That was powerful. Thank you. Um, I would love for us to just take a moment this morning and just remember the sacrifices that have been made for you and for I. And God has used people in powerful ways to change the course of history for his glory and for our good. And as you saw in those numbers, where millions of people have laid down their lives for each one of us. So as we gather this morning, as we think about everything we're going through this weekend, all the bonfires, the cookouts, the sales at Slumberland, all those things that we've gotten caught up in, let's just take a moment this morning to remember what people have done for us and how grateful we need to be. Uh, as we have the opportunity to do that, I also want to take the opportunity to thank those veterans and current service members that have stood in the gap for each one of us as well, sacrificing everything for us, setting aside family, their priorities to stand in the gap for you and I so that we could have these freedoms. If you are a veteran or a service member, would you stand up right now so we can recognize you and give you a round of applause. Why don't you stand up for us? Thank you so much for what you've done for each of us. We take it for granted every day, but today we stop and we say thank you. We can't appreciate you enough for what you've done. Please join me as I pray for our uh, time this morning. Dear Heavenly Father, we just give you the praise and the glory this morning for how good you are to us. 
As we looked at those numbers this morning on that video, God, we, we can't say enough. It's so overwhelming. But Father, those individuals have laid down their lives so that we could be free and enjoy the life we live today. God, we ask that you would continually provide for their families, that you would bless them and be near them and give them peace, even through the generations that have passed over the years. We just ask for your peace for those families. And we just give all honor and praise for what they have done. And Father, for our veterans and those who are currently serving, God, we are so thankful. Thank you so much for providing courageous, humble warriors, courageous men and women who stood in the gap, who stand in the gap still, and who have stood in the gap in the past for each one of us. God, we cannot give enough praise for you instilling that power and for the sacrifice they have made. God, I ask that you would bless their families, that you would give them what they need. And for our current, current uh, armed services members, we just ask for provision, courage, heart, that they would know that you are with them. And Father, that you would be ever-present and give your supernatural peace to them while they stand in the gap. And Father, we ask that you would provide for their families, that you would bless them. We thank you for the families that stay behind and sacrifice on the other end. God, we can't say enough. But we know you provide, we know you care, and we know that you remember every one of those individuals that lost their lives for us, that you cared about them and loved them deeply, that you had a plan for their lives, and their, that plan was for them to be heroes. So thank you, Father. God, we also want to lift up the time we're spending today as in the remainder of the service. We give you praise for the worship that we've gotten to praise uh, already in this service. And Father, we are excited now for the word that you have for us today. We ask that you would speak through uh, Tiger as he comes and shares this morning, that you would use him to speak your truth, and that you would help us to respond and hear and put it into practice as we live on with our lives going from this place. God, thank you for this time that we have this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. I just mentioned as I prayed that we have uh, Tiger coming to speak to us today. Tiger McLuhan, him and Sue joined our church a few years ago. We have been so blessed to have them. Tiger is a man who is a great example for me personally. 40 plus years of ministry for the next generations. And as I, I thought about that, Tiger, I'm like, the next generation? His heart's been for the next generation for 40 years, which means all of us in this room. He's been, uh, his heart and his passion, how God has wired him and gifted him, is to serve students, their parents, leaders, volunteers. His desire is that students will know Jesus and grow in that relationship. He currently is the executive director of Youth Consultants, and uh, it's just continually supporting youth pastors. For me personally, I appreciate uh, Tiger's friendship. He jumped right in and has come alongside of me since he's been here, offering opportunities to help middle schoolers with after school, equipping our leaders. He did a conference with us this uh, last month with high school and middle school students as a speaker and was just a huge encouragement to them. I'm so excited for Tiger to come and join us this morning. 
And I do pray that you would just hear what he has to say and be encouraged this morning. So with that, would you welcome Tiger up? Thanks, Justin. Thanks. Good morning. Good to be here. Thank you, Justin. Uh, it's been uh, a journey of hanging around the next generation. And as he said, some of those kids that I've worked with over the years are now uh, retiring almost. Uh, it's, a little, it's a little scary. Um, but uh, I've appreciated being a part of this, this church over the last uh, five years. And um, I've had lots of hats over the years. Um, I ran a drop-in center in Duluth, Minnesota for a number of years, an outreach ministry to street kids. Um, I was an associate pastor of youth and families at a Baptist church in Duluth for a number of years. And then I had, came down to Twin Cities to work with an organization called Youth Leadership. And in that role, I taught at Bethel Seminary and Luther Seminary for people who are preparing to go into youth ministry as a career and did that for a number of years. And now I head up a nonprofit called Youth Ministry Consultants. And I, I, you, you support that organization, and I appreciate that very much as a person who receives the gifts of your uh, donation. It may, means a lot. But um, I'm a little abnormal in that uh, if I would describe myself, I still could picture myself as a youth worker. Painfully clear that I'm not anymore, but I, I, I still have that self-perception. I've been involved in youth ministry for a long time, and, um, and, and so I used to be young, cool, and relevant, so I always bring this picture just to prove it. You can find the cool youth director in that picture. <laughs> it's a 70s baby. Uh, I didn't know much about Jesus, so I tried to look like him. That's all I had, that's all I had going for me. Um, now, when I'm in a weekend, I'm usually the oldest person in the room, and they think a homeless old guy showed up on the weekend. So I still enjoy that opportunity. Um, my, my family's getting mean a few years ago just to remind me that I'm not young, cool, or relevant. They gave me this, uh, oh, oh, what, I forgot that. Um, the great stage of my life is that I have cute grandkids. That was really weak. Uh, I'll give you one more chance. Uh, I have really cute grandkids. Much better, thank you. That's much better. And this is, uh, this is the present they gave me to remind me that I'm no longer young, cool, and relevant. I, <laughs> I just think that's mean. Um, but uh, what we're gonna try to do today is talk about uh, some principles uh, that Jesus demonstrates on a road. And in fact, when, when Justin called and said, I'd like you to uh, preach the sermon on Sunday, I, I said, I'd be glad to. I'd be honored to, to be here. And then I started thinking, you know, well, what is this sermon? We do every year, every day, every uh, week, I mean, we, we have this sermon. And I thought I'd go old school and look in the dictionary to see if something would catch my eye as to what it is that Justin had really asked me to do with you for the next few moments, uh, hour or two. Um, <laughs> One is, uh, a, a sermon is a religious discourse delivered in public. Yeah, that didn't really ring my bell. Number two, a, a sermon is a speech given as instruction in religion or morals. That's okay. Third one caught my eye. Uh, a, a sermon is a long, tedious, boring harangue. <laughs> I thought I could do that. That would be, Justin would be so glad he invited me to come. No, I, I don't want to do that. What I want to do is think with you about sharing faith on the road, to think with you about principles that Jesus demonstrated to us as he, 
as he lived and experienced. This is a, a post-resurrection appearance. We've been in Gospel of John, now we're in Gospel of Luke. It's a post-resurrection appearance, familiar, often preached after Easter because um, he's, he's risen. But in this context, there are these two guys who are walking on a road by themselves, and the context of their life is chaos. There's no easy here. There's no peace here. There's no confidence here. They, at this stage of their life, they have no idea what the future is going to hold. And they're walking along, and everything about around them is confused because Jesus has died. There's rumors going on, but they don't know what the next step is going to be. And in this encounter with these two guys, I would suggest there are seven principles that Jesus models. Now, he's not doing it as a teaching here. He just encounters these guys. But in these things, I think there are some principles that translate from a road to Emmaus to the Chicago Lakes area in 2021. And if you would, would pray with me about uh, us hearing those things. Let's pray. God, thank you for this opportunity. And I pray, God, you'd use these words in your holy word and from the words of my mouth that uh, they'd be pleasing in your sight and be true to your word. And we pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, so it begins um, where they talk in, in verse 13, or chapter, or chapter tw uh, 24, verse 13, where he says, um, now that same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. They were talking with each other about everything that had happened. As they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them, but they were kept from recognizing him. Um, what, what I find interesting here, I know I'll read through the passages and stop along the way as we, as we find the context. But what, I've, what the first principle I would suggest is that he walked alongside of them. Did you see that phrase? Another translation says he came and drew near to them. So what, what I want to suggest to you is that ministry begins. If you and I want to share faith with our coworkers, with people in our school, with uh, our family, our friends, anybody, the first principle, the first step to that is you have to get near to them. So my question this morning is, think of people that you encounter at work or in your context. What road are they on? In other words, what what? Where are they walking? What, what's their experience of life? Don't evaluate it yet. Don't critique it yet. Just wonder about what road are they on? What, what's, where are they traveling? See, these two guys were traveling a road of confusion and not sure what was happening and didn't know what was going on. If, you, if you're going to try to reach someone, whether for me, my passion has always been the next generation, or a family member or a friend, it is to wonder what road are they on? And we need to pay attention to that and listen to that. So often we're comfortable with them coming to us, being on our road, being friendly when they walk in our building because we're comfortable. And those are good things. But it's a whole other thing to find out the road they're on and not just listen to our words and our music and our style, but to listen to their stuff and hear what they're hearing, wonder what they're wondering. How did they reach the conclusion? Another exercise might be to ask this question, what's it like to be... And then fill in the blank. What's it like to be? And don't evaluate where they are. Just wonder what it would be like to be a, a single mom and, and having two children out of wedlock. We may have a critique about that. That's not the point. The point is to wonder what would that be like? What's it like to be that? What, what values are they holding? How are they reaching conclusions about life? Where does God fit or not fit into that road they're on? What struggles are they facing? 
I think we begin sensitive ministry when we understand the person, when we pay attention to what road they're on. My youngest daughter was changing schools, and so in, the ni- in ninth grade, the night before the first day of school, she said to me, Dad, I'm, I'm really nervous about my first day at school. And being the cool youth pastor guy, I thought I could guess what it was. And so I made a number of feeble attempts to guess what that fear would be. And I, and I, get, and I wasn't right. And I said, so what is it? She said, I'm afraid, I'm terrified of the lunchroom. She said, because if Cindy and Sarah, her only two friends that happened to be at that school, if they're not in one of my lunch periods, I'm stuck all by myself. Do you remember that? That's a whole different road than you and I walk on. And if we don't pay attention to that, we're going to make assumptions about people. So when she said that, I thought, oh my goodness, that fear of the lunchroom, that was our prayer item. That was our concern. That was our focus. That's, again, it's not my focus. I don't fear a lunchroom, but I'm not going into ninth grade. So if you want to pay attention to someone, ask what road are they on? What's going on there? And I often ask people, people ask me about, you know, why do you still hang around you know, kids? And yeah, I'm not very talented. I can't do that. And I say this, if you want to be a person, an adult that makes a difference, even in the hallways of this church, you want to make a difference to the next generation? Here's one little trick. Look them in the eye as if they really matter and show interest in their world. And you're going to be different than most adults who travel their world and expect their kids to behave like us. Look them in the eye as if they really matter and show interest. What's that like? What are you doing? What are you interested in? Tell me more. Those kinds of things open the door, and that's what Jesus did. And then he, uh, he, he continues on in this little encounter, and I find this next part kind of fun because what he does is he asks them questions. Um, He he begins to say, what are you talking about? What are you discussing together as you walk along? One of them named Cleopas, uh, their faces were downcast. One of them named Cleopas said, are you an idiot? Well, that's in the message version, excuse me. In in the NIV, it says, "Are are you a visitor to Jerusalem? Are you the only one that doesn't know what's been going on in Jerusalem these past days? Everybody had been talking about it. And he, and he said, what are you talking about? And then he asks this great question. He says, what things? He says, what things? He asks questions. And, and I love that question. Do you think Jesus knew what had been going on in Jerusalem the last week or so? I think he kind of knew everything. The point of asking the question isn't always because you don't know the answer. It's because it opens an environment of concern and interest. Tell me more about that. What are you talking about as you walk along the road? Again, we don't evaluate it yet. Just, and, and I love the fact that they're like, you don't know? And he says, well, what things? And, and in that question, it provides the atmosphere. Too often, I think, we as Christians are seen as talking, giving answers, and, and not listening. I, I look at Jesus. It's interesting. You see him always asking questions and telling stories. Christians today give answers and preach sermons. I wonder who's the better communicator. We need to be people who can listen. We're going to get to the talking part in a minute. Don't worry. But if we're going to walk the road with our friends and neighbors, we have to be willing to listen. And when you listen and when you ask the right questions, you will get the third principle to show up in your world, and that is he lets them express themselves. Jesus lets these two guys talk about what they're feeling and thinking. Now, when you get here... Um, it might get messy because people are going to reach conclusions that you don't agree with. 
They're gonna make value statements that you may disagree with. But what Jesus does is, I love this thing where he says, tell me more about that. And now you gotta, I find this kind of interesting. These two guys are walking on the road. Remember, Jesus is not recognized. They don't know who they're talking to. But these two guys are telling Jesus who they think Jesus was. I have to think he was smiling right here. See, because he's asking them to tell him, what are you talking about? What thing's going on in Jerusalem? What's happening in your world? And they begin to describe what's going on. What are you talking about? And they begin to describe this. And I would suggest to you that if you do one and two, you're going to get number three, which is where you're gonna, they're going to believe that you're maybe interested enough that they might actually tell you what they think. And then you're going to listen to their story. And in this context, I think if I'm listening to people's faith stories, I always listen for three things that I believe show up in almost every person's faith story when they talk about their experience of God. Number one, there's some areas of confidence, something I'm sure of, something I've had an experience of. There's disappointment and there's confusion. That happens with all of us. Confidence, disappointment, and confusion. Listen to it in these guys. It says, uh, about Jesus of Nazareth, they replied, he was, here's the confidence, he was power prophet, powerful in word and deed before God and all the people. The chief priests and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death, and they crucified him. See that? They got some confidence. They're pretty sure who Jesus was. They're ready to declare some things. Key, Key thing moves to disappointment, but we had hoped he was the one who was gonna redeem Israel. We thought... We were following the guy who was going to do it all. We thought our life was going to be on the victory parade. We thought this guy was going to open up a whole new chapter for Israel. And there's the disappointment. And some of us have disappointment in our faith story, don't we? We thought God was going to do this. And this is what life handed me. I thought this was going to happen. And this happened. I thought I was going to get into this college and I got the letter of rejection. I thought this relationship was going to bear fruit and it didn't. I thought my kids were going to turn out like this, and they, they haven't. And we have this, but I'm not sure. But when, what is more, it's the third day since all of this took place, and here comes the confusion part. Disappointment, and then comes confusion. Here comes the confusion part. In addition, some of our women amazed us. They went to the tomb early this morning, but they didn't find his body. They came and told us that they had seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. Then some of our companions went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but they did not see Jesus. They couldn't, you see, we know the end of the story. We in the church would go, oh yeah, that's easy. We got that figured out. To those two guys, that made no sense whatsoever. And they're walking on the road with a whole lot of confusion. What's my future gonna look like? Is what happened to Jesus gonna happen to me? Are we all under? Is this over? And so by asking the question, they they begin to share their confidence, they share their disappointment, and they share their confusion. And listen for that when you listen to the stories of people. And then he moves to the part that we might be more comfortable with, which is then he, he taught them. He began to, to say something. Um, and, and that's important. Once you hear it, once you hear their story, it, 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 it's important that we have ability to share our, our faith, our, it's a key part of our job. We're the God people in the mix. But I would say that you can't do number four correctly or in a positive way if you haven't done one, two, and three. If you just start dumping Bible verses on people, they generally respond not too positively. 
because they don't believe you've heard their story yet. They don't believe you've really listened to them. You don't believe that, that you've looked them in the eyes that they really matter yet. When you do that, it's important to teach. Now, uh, Jesus started a little rough in his teaching. I wouldn't encourage you to start here, but he says in verse 25, how foolish you are and how slow of heart to believe all the prophets have spoken. Okay, that's a little rough. You know, he does the brood of vipers things once in a while. He, he can get away with it. I would encourage you not to start there. But then, and, I, and I, this is one of my favorite, uh, did not the Christ have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? And then he gets to this little verse. This is a Bible study I'd go to, folks. And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. What things are you talking about? They're confused. He begins to teach, and they're still walking, and he's just sharing God's word. And they're listening because it makes sense to their confusion. It makes sense to their fears. It's, he's already paid attention. He's created the environment. And he begins to, oh, man, that's a Bible study. The master teacher unfolding all of the scriptures concerning, man, that would be good. But he taught them. And it's important that we find a way to apply the, the Bible to people's lives. Um, and, and, and that's why it says in First Peter, but in your hearts revere or set apart Christ as Lord, but always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope you have. But do this with gentleness and respect. But be able to answer. We, our job at times is to share not only our personal experience, but something of God's word. And, and, and folks, when that happens, sometimes it's gonna get a little messy. Um, our job is to share what we believe and how we believe it, and uh, walking with them, need, you need to have words sometimes. We sometimes mess up the St. San, San, Francis of Assisi quote, communicate the gospel at all times, use words if necessary. It's a great quote. But sometimes I find the people in the church uh, kind of mess that up a little bit because they say, just communicate the gospel at all times. And they forget the last part. You know, just communicate the gospel. I'm just gonna let my life, when I leave here, I'm just gonna let my life be sharing. And really, are you that spiritual? I, I don't know. I'm not that spiritual. I think they might think I'm a nice guy. But the gospel needs words at times. We have to add words to our understanding at the right time, in the right way, with grace, with um, assurance. And it's gonna get messy. Um, a number of years ago, I preached at a conference um, and it was a conference where I spoke on a Friday night, a Friday afternoon, and, um, and then I also did the same seminar on Saturday morning. And my seminar was something on reaching beyond the church walls, um, stepping out in the risk of life. And so I, I, I flew in, and I had been busy that year, and I was traveling, I was by myself, I was tired, I was kind of lonely, it's kind of crabby. Um, and so I, I, I went to do the seminar, but I wasn't really there at, that much. I mean, I did the seminar and go, you know, reach people, love people in Jesus' name, go, go. But I was kind of like, I need to get out of here and get by myself. Uh, it's called hypocrisy, if you don't, but that's kind of where I was. And I had checked out, when I checked into the hotel, I had checked out, the, they had a pool and a hot tub area, and I thought, you know, I deserve a, a quiet hot tub because I've been serving Jesus so hard. I deserve this, right? I, was, I had that mentality. So I got back from the seminar. I had went out to dinner with some people. I'm back uh, uh, Friday night, and I go to my room, and I'm, all, I'm just excited about going into my quiet retreat center uh, in the hot tub of the, of the pool area. 
I opened the curtain in my room, which overlooked the pool area, and I was in trouble. And that was Friday night, about 9 o'clock at night. And you know what? There are a whole lot of stupid people in the pool. They're in my pool. You know, kids running around. I love, I love kids, but get out of my pool. And they're jumping and making noise. I could hear them through the glass. I'm like, oh, my gosh. And then I looked at my hot tub retreat center, and it was filled with college hard body hot tub group. Just wall-to-wall, half-naked college kids. I'm like, get out of my pool and get out of my... Oh, I was so mad. And, and not only were they the college drinking or college hot body hot tub group, they were the college drinking hot body hot tub group. They had a big four 20, 12 packs of beer right under the sign that says no alcohol permitted <laughs> in the hot tub area. I mean, you can't even read. Get out of my pool. And, and they're having party. They had the boom box going. I can hear the music coming through, and I don't like the music, and I'm crabby, and I'm shutting the curtain. I'm going, I'm not going down there. Are you kidding me? So I'm going to do something spiritual. I'm going to read my Bible or watch ESPN or something. Um, <laughs> and then this is what happens sometimes when you lead a Bible study or you do something or you, and, or you, read, the, you read the Bible, that God will use that and come back to get you. Yeah. Because all of a sudden, I'm hearing myself in my own seminar that I'd just done like a few hours before, where I said, you know, you got to take risks. You got to get into places where you're uncomfortable once in a while. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, but they're drinking and loud down there, God. I don't want to go down there. I'm starting to argue with my own seminar. And I'm hearing myself say, you know, uh, we get comfortable and we want them here. We got to go, you know, digitally. <sighs> Finally, I lost my own argument. I thought, I got to go down there. What a bummer. So I got my suit on, and I go down, I walk in, and it felt like an old man alert went off, the alarms went off. (laughs) I sit on the edge of the hot tub, uh, feebly hanging in there, and the music's playing, and it's Miller time, man. They are are having a party. And uh, ended up just having these conversations. There were two guys in front of me and two next to me, and we were talking about stuff, and I was asking them where they were. I find out that there were like three or four colleges represented up for the weekend, and uh, they were getting to know each other, and they were bantering with language that we don't use in church. Shall I say that? I mean, a lot of nouns and adjectives and adverbs that I don't, you know, we don't just talk about. But they, they, they're very good, very creative at language. Uh, I'm wanting to go, no, stop it. But I thought if I said anything, they might know I'm older. No one asked me what college. <laughs> I was hurt because no one asked what college I went to. Um, so I tried not to, you know, critique their language, and they're they're talking about topics that you ought not talk about in a hot tub with boys and girls drinking beer. I just was like, don't talk about that. But again, I couldn't say it. So after a while, after a number of minutes, I'm sitting there, and there are four guys, and the one guy uh, looks at me and goes, so what do you do? (laughs) I'm like, it's going to rain on the parade really quick. I, I thought I'd just throw it out. I said, no, I was a, uh, a youth pastor in a church, and now I teach youth ministry at a seminary in St. Paul. And the one guy, he looks at me and goes, oh. <laughs> <laughs> you could just see it. He's like, religious old guy, run for your life. <laughs> and I thought they were all going to bail, and they didn't. And they said, well, what is that? And we had some conversation. And then I, I'm sitting there, and the guy's here, and the guy's next to me on the edge, and he leans over. And he goes, hey, so... You, you said you're a youth pastor. I said, yeah. He goes, are you a Christian? I'm, I'm like, most churches prefer it, I guess. But <laughs> yeah, I said, yeah, I am. He goes, um, and you teach youth ministry at, at, at a seminary? What's a, is a seminary a Christian school? I said, yeah, well, it depends on who you talk to, but yeah. It, and 
without, he goes, that's so interesting, you'd be sitting here tonight. I go, why? He goes, I have a question about God. I'm like, God in Miller time? Uh, <laughs> it doesn't fit the parameters, but, uh, and without saying a word, these two guys switch places. And, the guy, and they're leaning in. I've never had a Bible study like this. And he said, in fact, I have a question about Jesus. I'm thinking, oh, Jesus is a hot body, hot body drinking, hard body, hot tub. You know, weird for an old guy to represent Jesus in that, but Jesus kind of hung out with people like that, didn't he? And so there I am sitting there, and I said, before you ask your question, tell me a little bit about yourself, because I want to follow the principle. Ask, look at me, what, tell me more about, you know, you. He said, my name's Justin, I'm 19 years old, my brain went drinking age 21, pal. Uh, but I thought I better not say anything. <laughs> My name's Justin, I'm 19 years old, uh, I go to college, I've never gone to church in my life. Again, the road that the person you're talking to may be completely different than yours. And you have to understand that. So he had no, he had no context at all. He said, I've never been to church, my, my parents don't believe in God, I've never been to church, but I, my roommate this year in college uh, is a Christian and he gave me a Bible and he said I should read it. And he said, um, I've been reading it every night. Um, and I find it really interesting. I said, I do too, Justin. I think that's great. And I said, so what part, what, are you, what part of the Bible are you reading? You got to hear this from a guy who's never been to church before. He goes, I'm reading the back part. <laughs> we call that the New Testament. <laughs> he doesn't know that it's, it's called the back part. I said, well, okay. What part of the back part are you reading? I figured, why correct him right now? He goes, I'm reading one of them books about Jesus. I find out he's reading the Gospel of John, which we're going through right now. It's a great book for someone who's never heard anything about Jesus. And so he said, I've been reading uh, and we've the Gospel of John. And he said, I'm reading it, and I've read it. I'm on my third time through it. And so we had some more questions. I said, so now with that, tell me, what's your question? He goes, is it true that I can't ride the fence on this guy? Isn't that Interesting. Can't ride the fence on this guy. I said, that, you have nailed the faith question, Justin. That's exactly the issue. What are you going to do with Jesus? Um, and I quickly went through, I figured since he hadn't read much of the Bible, he probably didn't read C.S. Lewis much. So he went through the C.S. Lewis, he's either lie, a lunatic, or a lord. He is either crazy or a liar, or he might be who he claims to be. And we kind of walked that through, and they're interested in asking questions about it. Um, he said, yeah, it, the more I read about it, the more I feel like I have to I have to do something with it. I said, that's exactly what Jesus is calling you to do. Get off that fence. And when you get off that fence, Justin, all of life will make sense. There's a newness to life there. And we talked about it. And then he said, thanks. Well, that's going to, he said, that's going to be really hard. I said, yeah, it's, it's called a crisis of faith. It is hard, but, when, but God will re reveal that truth. And we had, he said, well, thanks. That's great. He got up. He started to walk away. I'm like, sit down. I am not done with you yet. We don't have a white rose on the, on the platform yet for you, see? But he walked away. I thought, you know, I, I could baptize you right here in the hot tub. That would be, that would freak out Miller time. I could do that. <laughs> but he didn't, and he walked away. So I love bow ties around stories. I love bow ties around conversations. I love it when everything makes sense. But you know what? Most of my life isn't like that, is it? Is yours? If it is, I resent you. But that's Okay. <laughs> Because most of us struggle with putting in, you know, but we do our part. We do the part that God has asked us to do. And I pray for Justin. I'm sure the Holy Spirit has gotten a hold of Justin and someone else has put a white rose on their church's platform for Justin. 
because God is at work. It's not up to me. But it was up to me to hang around a hot tub that I do not belong in for a few hours on a Friday night so that I could have a really important conversation with a young man named Justin. And I don't know what your week might look like, but you might have to dangle your feet in a hot tub that you don't belong in because God wants you to be there, to listen to a story, to share a little bit of your faith story, to, to wonder with someone, to let them know you care. I don't know what your hot tub looks like, but mine looked like that. Um, and so he begins, to, and then he goes a little bit further where it says he stays with them, meaning he spent a little bit more time. Um, it, it, they, they said, you know, he acted as if we were going further, but they urged him to strongly stay with us. Or nearly evening, the day is almost over, and he went in and he stayed with them. He invested just a little bit more. And that's what I think we have to be getting better at as well. Not only initially that listening, but then stopping. Now, I notice that Jesus is stopping all the time for people, for the widow and for Zacchaeus and for Bartimaeus and for people in need. He's stopping. You and I, sometimes I get going too much. I'm, I'm running from one place to another. And, and I miss things because I'm too busy. But when we, when we invest in people, it's a key to our connection. Every person you meet, young or old, has three basic needs. They need to know they're loved, they're valuable, and they're not alone. If we can communicate that to them, that we care about them, that we notice them, that they're special, that they're unique, we're glad they're there, and that we're with them, we're on their team, we encourage them, we believe in them. We, those are messages that resonate with every person that I've ever met, that they're loved, they're valuable, and they're not alone. And often it's just the process of caring for someone. And it's hard um, in a busy world, isn't it? It's hard to wonder, to stay with them. But we need to be doing that. Um, quick, it doesn't have to be big, by the way. Sometimes some speakers make these things and it's huge. Sometimes it's just little things that you stay with them. Um, in my church, we have a little, uh, a little kid that I got to know named Luke. And uh, he was about one of my friend's kids. And um, so I just wanted to say hi to him, be a person in the hallway that would notice Luke. And so, hey, Luke, how you doing, little buddy? And he's one of those energetic kids. Hi, Tiger, how are you? And he would tell me about his day or his week or something. And so over the years, we just had this little connection. And then one day he goes, hey, Tiger, you want to come to my birthday party? I'm like, well, that's cool. Yeah, I don't have a social life. Sure, I'll do that. <laughs> he said, I'm turning eight. Okay. Uh, now, I'm thinking between services, eight-year-old boy invited me to a birthday party, not going to happen, right? But uh, about three days later, I get Spider-Man in the, in the mail. <laughs> Swing by and celebrate. It says, you're invited to a party, and I open it up, and I look at it, and it's a weekend um, where I was gone speaking somewhere. And so I checked out with his parents, and I, I said to Luke, I'm sorry I can't make your birthday party, but can I come Thursday, and I'll bring you a present. You can show me all the presents you got for your party, and then we'll go to McDonald's or something. How's that sound? He goes, that sounds great. I said, okay, buddy. So on Thursday, I pull up, and he meets me at the door, and he's all excited. And he brings me into his room, shows me all the presents that he got from the party. He had lined up on his dresser. And then I gave him my present, and he wasn't all that impressed. Um, and he said, can we go now? I said, sure. And so... Um, we started to walk out, and Katie, his mom, uh, said, Tiger, you might want to hear what I heard today. I said, what's that? She said, Luke was out in the backyard playing with his friend, and his friend said, what are you doing later? And Luke said, yeah, I have a big friend. <laughs> He's coming over. He's got a car. 
<laughs> we're going to go do something. <laughs> See, when you're eight years old, having a car is pretty cool. It didn't matter that it was a 97 Blazer. It didn't, it didn't care. I'm hanging around eight-year-olds. They're way easier to impress. So, but it was like God just tapped me on the shoulder and said, Tiger, don't, don't get distracted. Don't get a big head with introductions that make you sound like you're something special or, you know, people, things that you don't. Don't believe all that. Here's, here's the truth. God just tapped me on the shoulder and said, I created you to be a big friend to Luke and the Lukes of the world. That's it. Don't get a big head about it. Folks, much, much of what you and I will do is not grandiose or spectacular. Most of us live more ordinary lives, and my life is mostly ordinary. If you live a spectacular life, again, I'll probably just resent you, uh, because God wants us to work out this thing in the real world, in our real experience. I gotta tell you, uh, part two of Luke, uh, just because it's part of the way investment shows up. Uh, he's now turning um, 16, and um, Katie calls me on Saturday. And Katie calls me, smart mom. She called me and said, Tiger, I thought you should uh, hear what I um, heard today. So I was talking to Luke. I said, what? She goes, tomorrow's Luke's birthday. Sunday. I said, oh, thank you for the reminder. I, I might have forgotten. She goes, no, that's really not why I'm calling. I said, what? She goes, well, I was talking to Luke, and Luke said, hey, mom, tomorrow's Sunday. Yeah, tomorrow's my birthday. She said, yeah, I know I'm your mom. Uh, <laughs> He said, yeah, so Tiger will be in church, right? This is my other church down the cities. I, and he, she said, yeah, very likely. He said, well, if it's my birthday and it's Sunday, then Tiger's going to take me out to McDonald's. <laughs> she said, have you asked him about that? 16-year-old boy, no, but that's what we do. <laughs> Folks, I'm not that good. I've done it a few times, but to a 16-year-old boy's brain, that's what we do. You know what that is? That's sacred territory. That's when the little boy says, that guy's my friend. And folks, when we find that place, when we've built that relationship by walking with people, listening to them, that's sacred territory. And so I come to church, and of course I've been warned, but I didn't want to tell Luke that I'd been warned. So we're in our little coffee corner, and I said, Luke, how are you doing today? He goes, what, good? We're kind of, we said, doing a little fishing, and he's, I'm not doing anything. And I finally said, hey, Luke, today's a big day for you, isn't it? He goes, started, you know, do the, yeah. I said, you're, you're, it's your birthday today, isn't it? He goes, yeah, it is. I go, you're turning 16 years old. Yes, I am. I mean, he's just like all excited. And I said, you know what, Luke, I'm here. Uh, you're here. It's your birthday. I think, you want to go to McDonald's after church? He goes, yes, I do. <laughs> then he turns to his mom and he goes, see, I told you. <laughs> I'm like, lie to kids in Jesus' name. It's really, it's a great... She's back there rolling her eyes going, oh my gosh. <laughs> but our job is to invest in people. It doesn't have to be big. And then there are a couple other, oh, it's hard and busy world, isn't it? I love this calendar, Jurassic calendar from Farside. <laughs> kill something and eat it. What are you doing today? I got to kill something and eat it. After that, I'm totally free. <laughs> Relationships take time and we have to often invest. And so then he moves to uh, a couple real quick. He worships with them. Now, in this case, worship was very simple. It says he broke bread and, and gave thanks. See, because these guys were caught in a horizontal world. Don't you get caught horizontally? All the problems, all the issues, our finances, our relationships, our job, our COVID, whatever. And, and, and Jesus just broke through and said, don't forget, let's give thanks to the God of the universe. And he broke bread and he worshiped with them. 
That's important for us to go vertical. It can be simple, it can be small, but we have to be worshiping. And then it says, I love this one, he disappeared. <laughs> I sometimes I want to do that halfway through a talk or whatever. Um, but it's, it's, it says he just disappeared from their sight. Meaning he, I may be stretching it, but here it is. He's equipping them for independence. He said to them, he said to the disciples, I need to leave you. Why? So that the Holy Spirit will be with you. And so we need to equip people for independent faith. They don't, they, they don't need us all the time. They need a faith built on the true relationship with God. And so by leaving, the Spirit came. And so it begins this uh, encounter. And before we go, I want to point out three things that observe happen in this encounter. I call them three fruits, meaning after you do the principles, sometimes the white rose might show up. But it's not your work, it's God's work. Sometimes things happen. It's the fruit. It isn't something we can create. It's the fruit. The first one is they said, did not our hearts burn within us as he talked about these things as we walked along the road? The first is a personal encounter with God, and their hearts burned within them. We need that not only initially, but all of us need to be reminded of and re-encounter Jesus. Sometimes it's in worship, sometimes it's in our own prayer time, sometimes it's in hard times, but we need to re-engage and have that heart burn with us. So it's not just an information faith we have, it's a real faith. And, and I can still remember, I call them sacred memories when God shows up, breaks through, and shows up to our world, and we, we, we know it's true. For that moment, we know it's true. Started for me, 18 years old, and under a tree on Thursday night at a Silver Cliff Ranch. And that's a sacred memory for me, when God broke through my horizontal life, even the vertical experience, and my heart burned within me. And then it says uh, another thing that happened is they had courage to tell other people. It says they got up at once and they went back, remember, back to Jerusalem where all the scary stuff was going on? And they went in and they told him, it is true. It is true. When I see any person, especially a young person, go to a school and stand up for their faith in today's world, say it is true, that's courage. Courage that only God can give. It's courage. And lastly then, they recognized Jesus. They didn't, you know, he was there all the time, right? But then at the breaking of the bread, it's like, whoa, who showed up? <laughs> Jesus is there. I think that's true in our lives, don't. Am I running too fast a lot of times? Yes, and I miss Jesus. In fact, I think it's, we don't need to pray to ask God to be with us. In fact, that's kind of heresy, because Jesus said very clearly, I will be with you till the end of the age. Joshua 1, 9, don't be terrified, don't be dismayed, don't be discouraged, for the Lord your God goes with you wherever you go. But I pray prayer often. I pray the prayer of recognition. God, will you help me recognize you today? Will you help me make it as, if it's true, can I live like it's true? If you're there, can it make a difference in the way I live and choose and, and behave? Because that's the issue. Not do I have to ask him to be with me, but that my life would reflect the promise that he is with me, no matter what. So ministry isn't for superstars. It isn't for the, only the, the glorious. It's for ordinary people like you and me who need to live this out when we walk out that door. And maybe the principles uh, will help us remember. Uh, we remember that we are people approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel. And my last thought is don't let your weakness or fears, what that might look like or who you might bump into or the person that annoys you at work. Um, I love this old quote, God doesn't call the equipped, he equips the called. And we're all called to represent him this week. What would that look like for you and me?
Let's pray. God, we are grateful for um, this principle that you have shown us in Jesus' encounter with these two guys. I pray, God, that you and I, that we, each in this room, would live this out with passion and clarity this week, that we'd be people who listen, we'd walk alongside of people, we'd ask the right questions, we'd share our faith when appropriate, we'd point them to the vertical reality that you are with them. And we're grateful for that. And now hear the words of Scripture to each of us, now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. Have a great week. God bless. Hi, everybody. Pastor Jason here, and I want to thank you for joining us for our online worship service this morning. I pray it's been a blessing to you. I want to encourage you now to visit our church website, www.lakesfree.org. There you can find more information about our church. You can find updates on the latest happenings here at Lakes Free, and you can find an abundance of resources for further teaching, equipping, and encouragement. So please check that out. We also have a prayer link there on our homepage where you can submit prayer requests, and we would love to pray for you. And if you'd like to continue your worship by giving to the work of the Lord here at Lakes Free Church, we have a very clear and simple giving link there on our homepage, and we would appreciate your support. I want to thank you again for being with us this morning. I pray that you have a blessed week, and we will look forward to seeing you soon.